What is up, guys? Welcome to episode 78 of the Sports Car Second Podcast. Um, Today, we have another great interview with a great podcaster. Um, You guys probably have heard him before. Uh, his name is Wax Museum Kyle from the Great Wax Museum Podcast. Um, we had a great conversation today about um, basketball cards, his collection, and also we talked about blowout forums and uh, why we think people, more people, should be using uh, the platform. But um, it's a great, it was a great conversation, and I'm glad to be back uh, with the show uh, in the new year. So the next. A few weeks are will probably be guests, and then um, I'll probably talk about my goals. Um, so we got a great lineup coming up in the next few weeks uh, for you guys. And, yeah, so I'm really excited to be back in 2023. And um, let's get right into the show. Wax Museum, Kyle. Here we go. What is up, guys? We've got another great guest on the More Than Sports Hotline. Today we have Wax Museum, Kyle, here from the great Wax Museum podcast. And uh, today we are gonna talk about his great collection, his podcast, and we might even get into some blowout forums talk. You never know. So we'll we'll see where this interview takes us. But Kyle, how are you doing? I'm good, Jacob. I appreciate you having me on. Um, excited to talk about all those things you just mentioned. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm super glad to have you on. So. Um, the first question I normally ask, and I'm going to uh, go with it again. So how did you get into collecting? And just tell us your collecting story, I guess. Okay, so um, I probably started watching basketball around 1995. And um, that was when Reggie Miller, you know, I'm from Indiana. So that's when Reggie Miller was uh, just killing the Knicks. And, um, you know, you've seen all the footage of him doing the choke sign and, and all that stuff and the eight points in nine seconds. So there was a lot of buzz about Reggie Miller, obviously, and the Pacers because I lived in Indiana. So uh, that led me to start watching basketball, which then it was kind of, uh, I guess, natural at that time that moved into cards because some people at school had cards and I wanted to a part of that. And that was kind of another way for me to follow the game. So um, I pretty much, you know, I know some people take some some long breaks. I did take a few short breaks, but for the most part, um, I, from 95 to 2000, I collected. I took a short break. I came back for LeBron in 2003. Um, I changed to baseball for like two years, two or three years, um, which would have been when Kevin Durant was a rookie, unfortunately. So I missed out on that originally. And then I, I've been collecting ever since. It doesn't mean... Um, as passionately necessarily as I am now, but uh, in some form or other, I've been collecting since 1995. So it's been a while. Yeah. So yeah, I was going to ask why basketball, since you do have the the Colts, but mm-hmm. then I thought about how terrible the Colts would have been the, when you started. Right. So, yes. The so Colts yeah, were I guess that's why, chose, that's why you chose the Pacers because they were they were getting started on their uh, decent playoff runs, I guess. Right. Yeah. So uh, how did you get into podcasting then since I guess you obviously collected for so long, but what got you into the podcasting world? So um, sometime around probably late 2018, I was getting more and more into cards um, and doing a lot of stuff on, we'll talk about the blowout forums later, but I've always been on message boards uh, since the early 2000s. So um, 
it's something that I, I kind of got into that even more. And, and, you know, I was kind of reading and absorbing whatever I could. And then I found out about this thing called podcast, which now that seems kind of goofy because there are so many, you know, there's like a billion podcasts out there, yeah. but um, even, even just five years ago, there weren't, you know, nearly as many as there are now. So I was listening to the few basketball card podcasts that existed, uh, which would have been cardboard chronicles on YouTube, nineties, b-ball cards on YouTube, uh, house of Jordans, which was more audio. And then, um, the real 27 guy had one prior to that, but it wasn't yep. active at that time. So, um, I was listening to all of those and, you know, I'd listen to him and say, Hey, if, if I ran this show, I would do this differently, or I would do this. And, and I realized after a little while, well, that's not really fair for me to say that because yeah. it's not my show, right? Jacob, that'd be like me coming on here and saying, here's what you should do on today's show. No, yeah. no, it's, it's yeah. not my show, right? Exactly. Yeah. So uh, those feelings kind of kept developing in me. And, and I realized I had this itch to, you know, do the podcasting thing myself. So I reached out to all those shows that I just mentioned, and they were all very nice to me. They said, Hey, here, you know, you could go here, you could do this. So even though I could potentially have become their competition, which I don't see it that way, and they don't see it that way either. But, um, you know, I could have, in theory, taken listeners away from them, and they were still nice enough to help me out anyway. So um, kudos to them. And, and in March of 2019, I got the name, I got the logos, and uh, we were off and running and haven't looked back. And this week is episode 200. Wow. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. That's, Thank you. That's great, man. Um, yeah. You, I got started kind of the same way. I had listened to podcasts for a while, you know, all the all the big guys, you know, Fat Pack, Sports Card Nation, you know, the major ones. And mm -hmm. I, I was just, I had actually done a blog a long time ago. So I had created content before that. And I was just like, I just need to get into podcasting. And I reached out to some of those guys and they, um, a lot of them actually came on the show and they're all super helpful and it's it's been really cool i like you know the sports card community we all help each other out like there's never really any competition i mean yeah we know a couple guys like you know maybe the backyard breakers or something like that but right but, but deep down in in you know the the, the hobby people here that's i found is pretty friendly and like yeah, you mentioned yeah. the, in those guys you mentioned especially um, even though they weren't basketball only people, I've, mm. I've listened to their shows as well. And, and yep. they're both very generous. Yeah. Yeah. They're, yeah, they're great people. So, so you mentioned, um, your Pacers collection. So mm -hmm. tell us uh, a little bit about your Pacers patches, because I know <laughs> you are an avid patch collector. You really like researching your patches and just tell us a little bit about your process and things like that. All right, J Jacob, you've done your research here. I like this. So yeah, not only am I a Pacers collector, but as you mentioned, I am like all about the patches. And um, I know, I, I think a lot of people for years have stayed away from patches just because there's been controversy surrounding patches and patch swaps. And um, I really feel like that happens on a lot of the big name cards, not yep. to say that, and not to say I haven't seen an Alfred Payton that swapped or a Ben Gordon that swapped. Um, but I think people are kind of fearful of patches when in all reality, you know, if, if you study the context, they're pretty safe. So I like patches because you can have seven copies of the same serial numbered card and each patch is different in that card. Um, so they're like little pieces of art to me. And um, 
it just helps me narrate the history of the team. So like recently, one patch I'm going to talk about on my next episode is a Mel Simon tribute patch, which is like um, the Pacers only ward in 2009. So, you know, I see something like that and it's like, all right, let me start researching. So then I, I look at the Jersey itself and it's a gold Jersey. Okay. So let me go to Getty images. Let me look at every game from 2009 where the Pacers wore gold. All right. So I narrowed that down. All right, now let me go to basketball reference and see how many games Roy Hibbert played in that time frame. So then I narrowed it down to 10 games. So it's just stuff like that. It's, it's you know, it, it leads me down these rabbit holes. I learn a lot in the process. Um, like I said, it, it helps me narrate the history of my favorite team. Um, you know, you don't know how many people since I posted that yesterday on Instagram have asked me, you know, well, what is Mel? What is that patch? And then I can tell them the story of Mel Simon who yep. essentially saved the Pacers uh, when they, they could have been sold to another owner and, and moved, you know, who know, maybe where you're at, right. Yeah, Cause yeah. in the Midwest there. So um, it's it just, that kind of stuff allows me to number one, remember the history of my franchise, but then also tell other people about it as well. Yep. And then I see them as little pieces of art. Yeah. So I've also seen their content on blowout. So you have this RPA tracker, like you said, hat swapping. So tell us about your RPA tracker. So um, part of, I guess, before the podcast started, I mentioned a lot was going on on the blowout forums in, in late 2018. So one of the big things has been uh, patch swapping in RPAs. And, and people will ask me, well, why do people want to swap patches? And, um, you know, it, it was a different world in 2018, where these cards were were really not worth as much. So the risk was not as much necessarily and a multicolor patch could bring a huge premium on a card compared to like a nameplate piece. So unfortunately, and, and a lot of these alterations happened years ago and they weren't uncovered until you know years later. Yep. But unfortunately, some people went and swapped out these patches. And you know, I'm I'm not gonna go into exactly how they do it, but they're yeah. able to do it where it's it's not detectable on the card. So a lot of people think that grading companies should be able to catch that. You know, if a grading company can't see evidence on the card that has been altered, then they really can't necessarily say it's been altered without yeah. any proof. So um, I decided that I wanted to go back throughout basically the history of the Internet as much as I could find, uh, which the Internet's a huge place. So yeah. I, that it wasn't very easy. And I'm only one guy. Right. But yeah. uh, there were some big resources out there like WorthPoint which had all of um, like e all old eBay pictures up to at that point, I think it was like 2003. So there was worth point. There was the blowout forums. There was social media. There was YouTube. I scoured, I think a Chinese image search at one point uh, photo bucket, whenever I had access to that. Um, and I compiled images of every major RPA that I could find. So it was guys like Steph Curry, Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, um, since then, I've added Trey Young, Luka Doncic, uh, who else? I, Lamelo. I, yeah. I try to add some of the big guys now, and I don't have all of them. But um, I basically, anytime I see a picture of one of these cards, if I don't have it up on that tracker, I try to show the oldest picture I have, so you can see the oldest known patch that's in there. Doesn't mean I have all the information, but I try to put that up there as a resource. And then something I've also done because group breaking became more common on video around that time frame is anytime I see one of those pulled on a YouTube link, I also put the YouTube link on the tracker. So I, I, I can't think of much more that would make you feel better about owning a card yeah. 
uh, of a nice patch if you see it is the same patch and you can see a video of it being pulled that's yeah, just a exactly. good feeling yeah yeah so, yeah um and then real quick worth point one of those sites i mentioned was taken down so mm, yeah um and i didn't know that was going to happen so it's just kind of a coincidence but i i pulled a lot of those images off of worth point before it was taken down so um, as far as I know, this is this might be the only spot where we have some of this data. So yeah, hopefully I can help some people out in the long run. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's really important. And uh, yeah, if you can have a video of your card, like actually being pulled, like that's that's super important. I actually just saw the card recently where it was a decent Mike Trout auto that I pulled. So I oh, put yeah. the video of the card on the on eBay. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, everybody loves seeing that. That's always yeah. fun. I know I've been watching uh, this week, I've been watching 2013 Immaculate Breaks and trying to do some more work on the tracker. And in the process, I've seen a couple patch cards that were not RPAs, but a couple patch cards I own. I, I've seen them being pulled on camera back from, you know, a decade ago. And it's kind That's of funny fun. because yeah. I, I, you know, you point at the screen, you're like, wait a second. That's a very distinct patch piece. I own that card. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, that's uh yeah, that's actually fun to see. Like I guess especially if you're going back in the way back archives of YouTube, I guess you never know what you can find in there. But yeah, that's that's fun. That's fun. It's so, just a shame we didn't have more uh YouTube back in two thousand three yeah. when Exquisite came out. I mean, I know there were breaks of, of Exquisite, but um, you know, YouTube really didn't come into its own until about two thousand six, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would have been amazing to see some of those Jordan patches and Jordanados and LeBron and all that like that would have just been amazing I mean yeah there is a couple um older videos of exquisite being open around like 2010 2012 right. but still it's it would have been really interesting to see nice uh, little time capsule yeah yeah so speaking of patches um I want to direct my listeners if anyone has a Reggie Miller a certain <laughs> Reggie Miller patch they need to re reach out to Wax, Mr. Wax Museum on Instagram because you are trying to hoard. Is it all? It's out of fifty, right? So which so well, there's so the Reggie. I won't be able to do that, even though I'd I'd love to. The, but it, in the same set, there's a Rick Smiths. Okay. And uh, so I I know I won't get them all. In fact, I've traded one of them off to somebody else okay. because he was doing the set. But uh, there's fifty six total if you go through okay. the print run. So I think it's um. 25, 15, 10, 5, and 1 is all the okay. parallels. So if, if my math is right, which somebody will have to check me here, but that's 56. So yeah. I think I'm up to 21 out okay. of the 56. And pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I let some of them go early on yeah. because I, I didn't realize I would be doing something so crazy like this. Um, so there's some that got out that I've seen that got out before, you know, I even got to them. And then um they've kind of dried up i don't see them anymore but yes yeah. thank you if your listeners see any 2017 2018 flawless jumbo patches of rick smith's it'll be a blue jersey with white and gold material uh, i am your guy reach out to me please <laughs> yeah that that's actually a pretty fun project i mean honestly if i could pull some off crazy as that then i would but i definitely could not <laughs> You know, and somebody asked me, um, or or maybe not me specifically, but I've seen people say, um, you, "Don't you know that a game used jersey is so much cheaper?" And and that and that's true, right? I 100% agree with that because I've seen 
Panini bought that same jersey. I've, I've linked some of the loose threads up. They bought that same jersey, I think, from either Golden or Heritage for like 500 bucks. <laughs> um, I wish That's I had funny. only spent 500 bucks on those 21 patches over time, right? But yeah. unfortunately, I, I probably have spent more than that. But I don't collect jerseys. So yeah. if I had that that entire jersey, it would just hang in my closet and it yeah. probably stink and and you know, I wouldn't know what to do with it. Whereas I collect patches, I show those off, I show those on my Instagram. So um there's a there's a movement out there that says, hey, everyone should be buying game worn jerseys, they're cheaper than patches. Buy what you like, right? If you yeah, collect exactly. jerseys, collect jerseys. If you collect cards, though, collect cards. Yep. There's not one right way to do it. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I feel like if a person was more of a NBA memorabilia collector, you can collect jerseys, but also thanks to car companies in the late nineties, you can also collect cards with jerseys in the cards. So I feel like, I feel like, yeah, that's more for a memorabilia collector, but if you're a car collector, go ahead and overpay for the jersey and let the company (laughs) cut it up. (laughs) And that's what we are. We're the card collectors, (laughs) right? No problem with that. Yeah. So this episode is actually going to come out on January 1st. So I'm sure you're probably going to talk about this on your latest episode, but what are some of your goals for 2023? So um, my goals for the most part, I think are going to stay the same. I've got this collecting pyramid that I like to work with. And that's an idea that I I give credit to um, Alex. He goes by Connell Collection on Instagram. But basically, he's it, it's a pyramid where it's like, all right, at the top, um, and maybe it should be the bottom because that's the biggest part, but um, you've got the cards that you want the most, right? So like if you had to give up stuff in your collection, this is the stuff you would chase. So I've kind of got my my Pacers patches up there, right? So I'm looking for Pacers patches. I'm looking for NBA final stuff. I'm looking for stuff from the 75 greatest players. And so that's normal, right? That's what I've been looking for all along. That's not going to change. I've been slowly collecting the 1957 top set in SGC slabs with the newer labels. And I got the Bill Russell last year, which that like now that that one's out of the way, it's just a matter of, all right, I got to sit down and be disciplined and spend the money and be patient for the rest of them. But if I'm intentional about it, I think it can happen. So I think this year... I don't, I don't want to say I'm going to get all 80 cards. I've got about 12 or 13 of them right now. And then a lot okay. of them, I just need to sub to SGC. I've got them raw. Okay. But I think my goal this year is to make some good headway on that uh, 1957 SGC set that I'm working on. I probably won't finish it, but if I could get to 40, if I could get halfway, mm-hmm. I think that's reasonable. And uh, I think that's something that I'm going to aim for. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. Set collecting actually is, I really enjoy, I feel like it's the most underrated part of the hobby now. I mean, in the seventies, eighties and early nineties, set collecting was all the rage. It's huge, right? So I feel like it's the most underrated thing in the hobby right now. And I feel like it's coming back a little bit. I feel like more and more people are going back and getting uh, those vintage sets and even just people are just collecting modern sets as well. So I feel like it's coming back a little bit, but I wish it would come back more. I really enjoy sex. sex well, we're, we're hunters by nature. And, <laughs> um, you know, sometimes I, I hate to say this, but sometimes hunting the card is more enjoyable than when the card actually shows up. And that that's when I know, all right, I, I need to scale back a little bit, or I need to change what I'm doing here. But um, I think the, uh, the hunt 
gives us a lot of those experiences and stories that we can share with other people. And instead of just, Hey, I went on eBay and I bought the entire run of 80 cards. That's not as fun. Yeah. Yeah. For real. I mean, I, I would agree. I feel like there's been a couple of times where I've been hunting for a specific card and it it's more, it's more fun. Sometimes I, I will agree yeah. with you on that. It's definitely more fun because sometimes that card, you're just like, Oh, well, it took me so long to get it. And then it's just kind of, it, you have it for a couple of weeks and it's just like underwhelming a little bit, but you know, it, it's, it's still a card that, you know, if you put in so much time in it, it has to be up there in your collection for sure. Definitely. All right. So now let's get into the second half. So let's talk about some blowout forms. So I actually don't have social media right now. So that's kind of where I get a lot of my hobby news on blowout. Okay. So um, obviously you talked about, you got into message, um, message boards in the, you know, early 2010s or whatever. Mm -hmm. So, um, give us a little rundown for people that don't know if they, you know, if they need, like maybe compel them to get on the message board, because it is a really honestly important uh, place in the hobby. I feel like it's probably the number one message board in the hobby right now. Um, yeah. besides Instagram. So just yeah, go ahead and, and give us a rundown. And really, it was social media before social media yeah. as we know it. I mean, technically, it is a form of social media. So uh, back in the early 2000s, that was, you know, we had that and we had instant messengers, which yeah. um, instant messengers weren't necessarily like it wasn't like like Instagram where you had stories and everyone could reply to your stuff. An instant messenger was you needed to talk to someone. You got their specific username and you reached out to them. So that's what that's how we would trade. We would go on the forums and either you traded on private messages which were really yep. slow yeah. um, because you you know someone might respond later in the day or you could coordinate a time like hey let's jump on AIM which was AOL Instant Messenger. Let's jump on AIM at 8 p.m. and let's work the rest of this trade out. Um so anyway that was kind of the original social media for the hobby but uh it was also a spot where a lot of history kind of played out and maybe we didn't realize it then but all of those threads are archived and yep. you can go back and look at some of them now yeah. unfortunately we've lost some of the big forums like hobby kings yep. was a big basketball forum that we lost and we lost a lot of that history although technically it's still out there i need to reach out to the owner again because he's got it it's just a matter of what are we going to do with it yeah but um so anyway at, at some point a lot of this moved to blowout forums and it became the primary hub for message boards. But that was also the time where social media was moving more to, um, you know, Instagram, Facebook, well, first Facebook, then Twitter, then Instagram. Um, but I think we're, we're losing a lot of important hobby history if we leave it all on social media, because yeah. um, a lot of people will put a lot of great information and a lot of good detective work in Instagram stories and those are, even if they archive them, they're not really searchable. Like yeah. I can't go on Instagram and search um, altered patch and, and they come up unless somebody has specifically hashtagged altered patch, which is not yeah. likely people. And yeah. I, I don't even do it myself. I don't yeah. take the time to hashtag stuff on there. So the beauty of somewhere like blowout forums is you can go to Google and you can put in blowout forums all as one word. And then you can type you know, Mike Trout auto or yep. altered uh, Bryce Harper or whatever you're looking for. And it can search only that website in all of those forums. And you can pull up a lot of information really fast. Um, so 
I think that something like that is desperately needed for the future because we we want to be able to narrate the hobby and, and show what happened specifically and track down some stuff if some unfortunately some fraud has occurred. It's yeah. going to help with all of that. Um, but at the same time, I, I do want to acknowledge that th- it can be a very toxic place. Yeah. Right? And, and yeah. it sounds like you've done a good job of of steering around that. Yeah. Um, you seem I mean, you're a smart guy. I, I can tell you're well read. Um, yeah. But it is a very toxic place and and probably I don't want to say more so now it's always been a toxic place. Yeah. But it really sticks out now because a lot of the collector content has moved to other places. So mm-hmm. um, if you can learn to navigate some of the toxicity, I, I think it's a worthwhile place to be. And, and maybe that's just me speaking from uh, of the perspective of nostalgia. But yeah. I, I think in the future, as somebody that's done a lot of research from the past and, and searched a lot of that stuff, um, I think in the future, people will appreciate that as well. If we can funnel a lot of that information and it doesn't even have to be blowout, even though that is the, the mm-hmm. predominant one right now, if we could funnel that information somewhere online, it would just be so much better. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it's really important that everything is archived um, in blowout because there are um, some interesting reads on there. there um, yes. There's some rabbit <laughs> but, holes you can go down for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's actually really important because um you got yeah 10 15 years of uh hobby um threads and forums on there that just you can basically read about what the hobby was into um you can get a feel of what the hobby where the hobby has gone in the last 15 years just by going on blowout um there's some threads that have been going for you know (laughs) nine ten years that are still going strong today so it's actually really interesting to read through those and you know, it, it's really important that it happens. And yeah, on Instagram, you're right. Like it's n- none of it's archived on there. It's really mm-hmm. just, it just all goes away. So yeah, it's really important to have a place for the hobby that archives basically its entire history. Right. Because basically everything's been talked about on there. So uh, it's really interesting that um, that that is, is archived in that place that honestly, more people should be using, but it might. Yeah. I I'd like to see more people there and, and maybe the, um, the tone, I, I don't know if tone's the right word, but the, uh, the, the way that, you know, like I said, it's kind of toxic. Maybe some of that would, would change for the better if we could get mm-hmm. some of these collectors back on there. I know it's, yep. you know, a lot of times a collector will go on there and they'll get kind of drowned out by some of the toxicity. If we can get a lot more collectors back on there, then maybe we can shift the tides a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you on that. It's it is important that we get some of these uh, great collectors on Instagram. Like we, there's so many good people out there, and they do great work. And uh, if we get them back on there, like it would be it would be amazing. Like think about like honestly, I'm going to use you as an example. I love reading your content that you post on Blowout. So think about all the other content that could be on there if you know some of these big Instagrammers went on to Blowout. So I feel like that if we could get people on there, that would be really important, but yeah, it's not it's only that, that it, oh, it's, I'm something sorry. That every, it's something that everyone should check out. If you're listening for sure. It, it would help conversations be a little more linear because um, if, if people are responding to one of your posts on Instagram, 
um, there's not really a chain. It's just kind of, you can respond to one comment or yeah. you can, you know, you can respond to another. Whereas on blowout, it's a conversation that's happening between many people in a very specific order. So yeah. it's a lot easier to follow, but mm -hmm. I, I don't know. That's just me. That's, that's my thoughts. It seems like you agree with that though. Yeah, yeah, um, I do. Yeah. Maybe we'll get it. that in the future again. Yeah. 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 Hopefully sometime, uh, Instagram just gets so, so bad that people just have to go back on blowout. <laughs> We, you never know. Yeah. It looks like I thought we almost lost Twitter a, a, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, so you never, yeah, it, it just could take one event. You never know. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we're going to go ahead and wrap up today's episode. It's been great talking uh, to Kyle, but before we go, Kyle, go ahead and plug uh, your stuff, you know, your blog, username, like we just talked about all, all your stuff. All right. Thanks, Jacob. So my blowout username is Deadshot. Um, and I've I've had that name for years. That's based off of a comic book villain. You probably know him now because of Suicide Squad, yeah. but it was uh, pre-movie back back in the old days. Um, so anyway, that's my Blowout Forums username. And then also you can find my podcast on every major podcast platform. It's called Wax Museum Podcast. I typically have a new episode out every Thursday morning. Um, so make sure to be on the watch for that. And then I also do YouTube content. I know a lot of people confuse that with the podcast, right? But they're, they're two separate things. So I try not to have too much overlap. I try to show off more of my collection and stuff on YouTube. So uh, please, if you got the time, if you're interested, make sure to check that out as well. Just search Wax Museum Podcast and it should come up. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for joining the show. And once again, congratulations on your 200th episode. That's a pretty big milestone. If you are doing 200, then uh, you're definitely uh, well established in the podcasting world for sure. Well, thank you so much, Jacob. All right, that will wrap up my interview with Kyle, and we'll get back to the show right after this. Guys, the Sports Card Second Podcast is now a more than sports production. Yes, you heard that right. The Sports Card Second Podcast is now the second podcast to be picked up by More Than Sports. Starting now, the show will be listed on their website along with their main show, The More Sports Podcast. So check out their website. That's morethansports.com. Once again, morethansports.com. M-O-O-R-E, thensports.com. That's where my show will be listed. That's where their show will be listed. Make sure you check them out. More Than Sports. Dot com. Let's get back into the show. I hope you guys enjoyed my conversation with Kyle. Um, it was a really fun show, and I think that was one of my better interviews, um, uh, to be honest. So I uh, hope you guys um, thought the same about that. Um, if you guys want to reach out, uh, you can email me at sportscardsecond at gmail.com. And, yeah, shoot me an email, and I'll definitely get back to you. Um, with any questions about the show. All right, that'll wrap up episode 78 of the Sports Car Second Podcast. Um, once again, hope you guys enjoyed it. It's Jacob signing off. Keep collecting. Peace.